On today's show, we recap the NBA on Christmas Day. Brittany Griner is free, and we'll talk mental health issues in the NBA. You know what time it is. Lace them up and lock in. J-J-J-J-J-W-J. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for starting your day with JWJ. It's your boy Shane alongside my shooter on the wing via Zoom. My boy James, what's going on, bro? We back, man. Let's get it. Crack. We back. The the last the last uh the last pod of December. Last pod of the year, bro. And let's make sure it's a good one. Let's round them out and get them ready for twenty tray. Let's get it. So we're recording this. December 26th and so we're going to talk about the NBA on Christmas Day we have five games um so we're just going we're just going to go through it and talk about you know make our observations um so you ready bro Mr. Thomas I stay ready that's why I'm the shooter on the wing let's get it cracking let's Let's jump into game one what's up yeah so let's get started man the first game of the day, we had the Philadelphia 76ers handle the New York Knicks 119 to 112. It was the eighth straight win for Philly, third straight loss for New York after they had an eight game win streak. Uh, Joel Embiid, 35 points, eight rebounds. James Harden with a double double, uh, 29 points, uh, 13 assists. Um, on the Knicks side, we got Julius Randle with 35 points and eight rebounds. Mitchell Robinson with 10 points, 16 boards. Jalen Brunson with 23 points and 11 assists, but he left the game late with a hip injury. So, James, Sixers with eight straight wins, man, beating New York on Christmas Day. What do you think? All right, so I'm going to tell you like this. And this is no knock on the Knicks, even though I feel like when I say it, it's probably going to be. Um, I want to look more from the Philly side of things. And – Opponent aside, it can't be ignored that if you watched the game and paid attention, the 76ers did not hold a lead in this game until the fourth quarter. Right. I think that has to be paid attention to. I don't know any team that's going to be vying for a title in the long run that's going to be looking at a situation like that. And let's be real, James Harden balled out. Joel Embiid came to play. Jalen Brunson went down. And the team that we all expected to win the game wasn't even on the right side of the scoreboard until the fourth quarter. That, to me, is a little win streak aside. That's a little troublesome moving forward when you're going to have to deal with teams like Boston and Milwaukee down the road. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, Given everything that Philly's been through this year, I mean, they don't have Tyrese Maxey right now. Like, you know, Harden has been, you know, trying to, you know, come back from, you know, some injury troubles he's had in recent years. You know, there's talk now of him possibly wanting to go back to Houston, which I was just about to say, also dealing with the trouble of him wanting to go back to the preferred strippers, but keep going. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's just, I don't know. There's a lot still swirling there in Philly, but. You know, let's not lose sight of the fact. I mean, eight wins in a row. I mean, that given where Philly wants to get to, and you know, a lot of people had them, you know, as finals contenders last year. So for them, eight straight wins right now, given all the adversity they've gone through. I mean, James Harden had a 2020 game the other day. Um, you know, if if Harden's gonna be balling out the way he has and Embiid is Embiid. You know, they're showing right now that they're still viable. Now, uh, you know, if they are able to get Maxi back in the fold later, you know, we'll we'll see just how good Philly can be. But right now, eight straight wins, you know, playing pretty well around Christmas. But, you know, we all know it means, you know, after the All-Star break, if they're still playing at this level, you know, that then we'll really see what kind of team we're looking at. Yeah, and that and that's what I was just about to get at. I was gonna say, I mean, it 
the the win streak is nice but there's teams that have had longer win streaks this season that we're not even talking about as contenders one of them case in point is new orleans i think new orleans longest win streak this season so far has been nine games and nobody's talking about them being in the title picture so it's to me it's like a win streak is nice but again i say you know we talk about the fact that james harden balled out the other day we talk about the fact that joel has been here but like you said no tyrese maxi um i feel like we've made at least three, four, maybe five episodes since the season started. And not once have we mentioned the name Matisse Thibel. Um, there we haven't mentioned Tobias Harris. There, there's been a lot of names that have been quiet. And if there's a lack of depth in Philly, it's gonna be a problem. I, I think that's that's what would end up being their downfall, in my opinion. James Harden shows up, yeah, we're good. But James Harden showed up in Houston. James Harden has showed up a lot of other places. Well, I won't say a lot of other places. The only time he showed up was to say that he wanted out in every other place, which again goes back to my skepticism of Philly. Like if one of your star players can't even commit to your team and we're like, we just hit Christmas day and there's already rumors that he might leave you. I don't see Philly going anywhere. And that, that to me is just more of a reflection of the makeup of the roster. And it starts at the top. It's not, to me, it's not Joel Embiid because to me, Joel Embiid is the one guy on the roster that goes out of his way to give 100% even when he's not. So shout out to him for what he's doing. And I know those other guys, like I said, especially a Tyrese Maxey. I know Tyrese wants to be out there. I know he wants to be on the court doing what he came to do. Outside of him, it's like, what what are we what are we really looking at with Philly? It's like when they succeed, we talk about James Harden. We talk about Joel Embiid. When the failures are there, we talk about James Harden. We talk about Joel Embiid. But like I was just saying to start off this whole little mini rant. We don't talk about anybody else because it seems like it's such an incomplete team right now. Yeah, they they just have, you know, right now it's like you're not really sure like what to make of them yet. I mean, he he comes out, I mean, what, what 29 in, in the game yesterday? Uh, so, yeah, Harden, Harden, it's regular season is nothing for him. I think it's what is what's he going to what's he going to bring when the postseason gets here? And and Embiid has been there, you know. He has his own health issues, but but when he's on the floor, he's productive. It, it's it's not about him as much as okay, who who's around him that's going to help him get there. So, um, that's that's a storyline to watch for the rest of it. Um, on New York's side, third straight loss. I mean, they they had been kind of under the radar, had been playing well. Uh, you know, had won eight straight, and and you know they were they were just kind of going about their business. Um, Julius Randle played really well, 35 and eight. Uh, Jalen Brunson has been, you know, I think he's an all-star this year. Um, I didn't expect him to be anything different. I mean, 20, 23 and 11 this game, he did leave late with a hip injury. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they play Tuesday at Dallas. That'd be his return back to Dallas. Uh, So it'd be interesting to see if he's able to make that, make that. They have a three game uh, trip there that starts in Texas. So, um, moving right along, speaking of Dallas, uh, Mavs come out. They get a 124-115 win over L.A. Um, Lakers were up 14 early, uh, led uh, led 54-43 at the half. Unnecessary. And then problems. Dallas comes out of halftime, and they go nuts. They outscored L.A. 51-21 in the third. The 51 points ties a franchise record for most points in a quarter. Um, they come out, and, I mean, they they went from down 11 to up 19 after three. They led 94-75 after three and put together one of the most impressive third quarters I think I've seen What in, in all my years watching ball. I mean, they shoot. 18 of 25 from the field, nine of 13 from three in the third. And it was ball movement. A lot of times, you know, don't let, don't let the casuals influence people on Dallas. It's all Luca's hogging the ball and Luca's this and that. 
They had 13 assists on 18 field goals with one turnover in the third quarter. And Tim Hardaway Jr. was was killing it. He had 16 of his 24 or 26 points in the third, six or seven from the floor, four or five from three. Uh, on LA's side, LeBron was LeBron, had 38 points, uh, six rebounds, five assists. Russell Westbrook was 17. Austin Reeves was 16. Um, and, you know, Dallas didn't have Dorian Finney-Smith, didn't have Maxi Kleba. Uh, and L.A. also didn't have Anthony Davis. Um, so, James, I know you being a Laker fan, um, go ahead, man, speak on it. How do I want to start off this little mini rant here? Um, so do I want to start off by being salty and saying that this is one of the most painful segments that I'm going to have to record right now? The only time this would have felt worse is if we recorded this after game four, of the second round of the 2011 playoffs. Y'all know what I'm talking about if you know hoops. And I will take a quick segue before I snap on what I saw yesterday or didn't see yesterday. Um, I'm gonna actually give y'all some credit and by y'all, screw the fans. Shout out to Mark Cuban. That Dirk statue is one of the most beautiful things I have ever scene the way that they perfected the fadeaway that that statue is one of the most amazing hoop statues i've ever seen in my life i i will go as far as to say that and then i'm sure you know shane but i'm gonna let the fans know um the 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 phrase inscribed on the trophy i mean on, i'm sorry on the statue loyalty never fades away and i'm sure you know shane i'm gonna let you jump in real quick the significance of that phrase being at the base of the statue yeah man dirk dirk sat there's 21 21 letters counted out absolutely for the 21 seasons that the big german ran it in big d amazing and i mean it's amazing the detail in this statue i mean down to the hyper dunks bro the hyper dunks bro yeah, had the 2010 Hyperdunks, <laughs> one of the one of the top hoop shoes ever. And one of my favorite I mean, hoop they, shoes I've ever played in. Yeah, they 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 really they really did a great job with it. I'm glad that they got rid of the other two basketballs because we're not gonna get into that. Keep it PG. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna talk about the beads that. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. It resembled. I'm glad Mark Cuban. Maybe he did that to rib Dirk. I don't know. Um, hopefully it was a rib, but no, I'm, I'm with you. The whole thing, (laughs) the whole thing is cool, man. Dirk getting the statue. Um, you know, I was listening to locked on Mavs shout out to, to Nick and Isaac over there on locked on Mavs. Um, but you know, Nick, Nick brought up a, a, a cool thing with that. He was just like, you know, like all the detail they put into it. You know, it's one of the last times, like, you know, obviously Dirk's going in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, he had a great career in Dallas. He's been retired for what three years now. Right. And so, you know, with with Dirk, you know, his legacy, the the more things we can we can, you know, put out there that, that the league can do for Dirk, you know, his his final game, his 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 retirement announcement, uh, his, you know, his him getting his his jersey retired last year, like all these things are big, but to get a statue out front, there's not many people that have have statues out front. So the, when people can pass here, you know, generations from now and they can see 41 in white in, in the one legged fade pose, you know, that that's that's huge, man. Yeah, I totally agree, bro. And I mean, like I said, look, team allegiance aside, we we say it to each other all the time. At the end of the day, we're both fans of the game. And that is a statue that was a long time coming. And I've never been able to say I'm a Dallas fan in my life, but I've always respected Dirk's game. And that trophy, why do I keep calling it a trophy? Hell, in a lot of ways, it is a trophy because it is a serious reward for the work that he put in. So we can still call it a trophy, statue, whatever you want to. But that statue that that statue is like i said one of the greatest i have ever seen there's only one that i think that's going to be better and you know we won't touch on that right now because it's not necessary but if you know me you know what i'm getting at um 
I want to get back to this game. Well, before I get back to the game, I want to touch on one thing real quick. And I want to commend you, Shane, as a Dallas fan, while I commend myself, because it's going to be a super amazing feeling. I'm fully convinced that you will get to see one of your favorites go into the Hall of Fame in the same year that one of my favorites is going to go. And they're both big men. I would love nothing more. And they're both international guys. I would love nothing more now that they've both been officially named as potential finalists to see Dirk go into the Hall of Fame alongside my dude, Pau Gasol. Would make my heart so happy, especially with them both being international guys. I think that would be something so tremendous, so beautiful for the game that started in America and it has spread all over the world. Two of the two of the greatest European bigs of all time. You have the greatest in Dirk. You have one of the most successful and skilled players in Pau Gasol. Um, you know, obviously Pau won more titles. Uh, Dirk was able to get one in 2011, but you know, Dirk's career speaks for itself. Pau, I feel like, kind of was in that in that shadow a little bit, but he he was mm. able to to win titles in LA and solidify his legacy. Obviously his international resume speaks for itself as well. So, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, last, you know, yesterday's game, it was big to see not only Dirk get the statue, but the Mavs don't blow it. Obviously mm. they came out really flat, played terrible. I think they were five for 22 at one point in that game from three. Uh, I think 20 of, of the Mavs first 30 shots were threes. So it was a live, for, it was a live by the three, die by the three kind of, kind of game. Uh, but Dallas caught fire in that third quarter. So I want to, I, I want to, I have to point this out because, you know, we definitely talked about it over text yesterday. Um, <laughs> so we were on the phone. What was that? Like late Saturday night going into like, you know, Sunday after midnight or whatever. And yeah. before we got off the phone, I made it a point to say, I was like, Shane, I love you, bro. But it's pretty much screw you until the end of Christmas Day. Merry Christmas, and I don't <laughs> want to talk to you anymore. And and you were like, but why? And I was like, let me tell you why. I was like, so our teams are playing each other tomorrow slash today at the time. And I was like, I'm telling you now, I'm going to be mad. And, and you were like, why? 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 Why are you going to be mad? And I was like, let me be straight up. And I told you the same thing that I ended up telling my wife a few hours later when the game actually came on. So I'm going to fast forward and tell, I'm going to just tell the world what I told her. So my wife is a hoop fan too. And she's also a Laker fan. She, she splits her loyalty between the Lakers and Toronto. I give her respect. I give her credit on that. Cause she was born in Toronto. She, my wife is Canadian. So shout out to the Raptors. You know, I respect y'all too. So we're sitting here watching the Lakers and Mavs. And at the end of the first quarter, my Lakers are up by 14. So wifey's sitting there and she's like, oh man, she's like, the Lakers are on a roll. We got this. And I said the same thing to her, Shane, that I said to you <laughs> the night before. I was like, nope, I'm not convinced. She was like, what? But we're up. We got this. And da 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 I was like, nah, let me tell you something. I was like, the last few years have taught me the Lakers are not a second half team. I was like, I do not get excited for LA until I see that we are winning after three. And this is what we talked about, Shane. I, I don't think I've ever seen a game barring Christmas, which ticks me off even more. I don't think I've ever seen an NBA game where a team wins three quarters of the game and then loses the game. Somehow that was my Christmas present yesterday. So, <laughs> so, but before we left, because we went to go spend time with some family yesterday, I was like, I told my wife, I said, look, we're up 14 right now. I was like, I'm telling you now, we don't know how to hold a lead. I was like, I'm calling it. We're going to lose by six. Shane, what was the final score again? Final score was 124-115, nine-point win for Dallas. Lost by nine. I was off by three points. At the end of the first quarter, I said we would lose by six, and it turns out I was off by three 
points to all of y'all Laker fans out there that want to try to come and trash me. Does that make me a hater? Does that make me a fake fan? No. To me, I think that makes me a genuine, a real fan because I understand deficiencies. Shane, let me pose a question to you. The Lakers have played 33 games counting the game yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. Can you name me the Lakers that have played in every game so far this season? No. You know why? Because <laughs> there are none. Right. Now, my next trick, my my neck, my next tricky question for you. Can you tell me <laughs> without Google? I gotta challenge you. Can you okay. tell me the Laker on our roster that has played in the most games out of those 33 so far? Russell Westbrook? Ah, you're close. Russ has played in 30. There's one player on the team, and I'm going to go ahead and break it down a little bit for you. So Russ has played in 30. Lonnie Walker has played in 30. Here's another one for you, Shane. Troy Brown Jr. has played in 30. Everybody else has played in fewer than 30 except for one guy who has played in 31. There's one guy on the roster that has only missed two games. Who is it, Shane? We already Pat know. Who. So I'm looking at the roster right now. Pat Bev has played in 26 of the 33 games. Wow. Now, shout out to Pat Bev because in those 26 games he's played, he has started every one of them. Shout out to him. He's one of only he's one of only four players on the team that have started every game they've played. He started every game. LeBron has started every game they've played. Anthony Davis and Lonnie Walker. They are the only four guys on the roster right now that have started every single game that they have played throughout the season. But there's still one guy on the roster that has played more games than everybody I just mentioned. Uh, I'm going to say Thomas Bryant. You know what? That's a very good guess. But Shane, you ready for this? Thomas Bryant has only played 19 games. I'm going to go ahead and let you know just for the sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and give you the ultimate hint. <clears throat> you know the guy that's played in the most games so far this season, Shane? Oh. He's the one in the last episode, or was it the episode before, where I was getting very annoyed about the nickname that the world had given him. Oh, so it's Austin Reeves. All right, Austin Reeves has played in 31 of a possible 33 games. Okay. Yes, right now, uh, right now on a team with LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook, Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly, Kendrick N O N E. Yeah, I'm not going to even pronounce the name. Um, we decide to get rid of sharpshooter Matt Ryan. Austin Reeves, so far this season, has played in more games than anybody else on the roster, and even he's missed a couple, right? Yeah, he, well, yeah, he's played in 31 out of a possible 33. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, like, just the, this game, man, it, like I said, Dallas comes out, plays plays poorly to start. They go down. I think L.A. went up 23 to 9 at one point in the first, in the first quarter. Mm -hmm. And it looked like, you know, Dallas was about to lay an egg on Christmas because it's the first time they played Christmas. I mean, last year they played Christmas, but. You know, they don't we don't get a ton of them. So to see right. so to see Dallas actually get to host the game and they don't have to go to LA, which was which was kind of funny going into I, the year. I think for what it's worth, I think for what it's worth, y'all are gonna get a lot more off the strength of Luca alone. Because mm -hmm. Luca, I mean, to his credit, even if even if Dallas doesn't do a solid job of putting the right stuff around him, Luca alone is is December twenty fifth entertainment. Yeah, and y'all y'all are going to be playing on Christmas for a while. I went this I went this long without really even even talking about Luca's numbers and the guys that that did play well for them. I mean, Luca Luca was Luca. He started slow, uh, but eventually he turned it on. I think he had 13 points in that third quarter. He ends up with 32 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. He actually did get help. Uh, we mentioned Tim Hardaway Jr. earlier, but Christian Wood, uh, the the trade the last year's you know draft day trade. Uh, he comes out and he's he's been playing really well of late. He had 30 points, uh, eight rebounds, seven assists, four steals, and two blocks. 
Um, for a lot of people that follow the Mavs, that's huge because mm-hmm. not only is he he's he's playing a complete game. A lot of people thought Christian Wood was kind of a black hole. He was just out there for his points, but he gave you some rebounds. He gave you some assists, seven of them. I think that tied a career high, four steals and two blocks. He played both ends of the court. Um, you know, can't say enough about how he's played here of late and and they need it. Um, Mark Cuban, if if you happen to be listening to this, Christian Wood <laughs> is eligible for that four-year, $77 million extension. Mark Cuban, um, I hope you're listening. Please, please. Yeah, and and he was eligible for that on Christmas Day, and he goes out and, and, and stuffs the stat sheet. So uh, Christian Wood, I don't – Dallas doesn't need to make the same mistake that they made with Jalen Brunson. If you can offer this dude an extension – he has great chemistry with Luca, and you want to surround Luca with guys that can play with him and help him out. So uh Christian Wood is is playing like he deserves that extension. Um, you know, it was a big win for 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 the Mavs on, on Christmas to Definitely. have a 30, have a 30 point uh margin in the third quarter, lose every other quarter, like James pointed out earlier. They lost every quarter in this game except the third, but and they won that third extreme. by 30 points. Right. It, it so, took something extreme. So, I mean, that, like I said, it it's not, not <laughs> even to discredit Dallas's win because y'all definitely earned that you deserved it. But like I said, it, it took something of a hoop anomaly. Like I said, it yeah. is not, like you said, it's not very often that you lose three of the four quarters in a game, a regulation game that doesn't see extra minutes and you win it off the strength of one quarter. You don't see that too often. Yeah. Team teams don't really go crazy from three the way Dallas went crazy from three. Like I said, at one right. point they were five of 22 from three in this game and they go nine of 13 in the third alone. They shot 18 of 25 in that third quarter. Uh, it, was, it was a hell of a display of shooting uh, by Dallas and they did it with ball movement. I mean, they moved the ball around and, and a lot of guys touched it. I think one one possession, I think they made 10 passes. Uh, they were talking about that on Twitter yesterday. So um, going from that, we're going to go from Luka to Jason Tatum. Uh, Jason Tatum goes for 41 as the Celtics blow out Milwaukee, 139 to 118. Obviously, Milwaukee playing without Chris Middleton, who's who's working his way back from injury. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Celtics shoot the lights out. They shoot 59% from the floor, go 19 of 39 from three. And like I said, Tatum goes for 41. Jalen Brown goes for 29. Um, just talk about that game, James, man, that – to I was a little bit surprised. I know you said, you know, before we came on that you weren't. Um, so just talk about your thoughts on on the Celtics winning by by 21 on Christmas. I I think that I I think a big part of what happened in that game, and I'll 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 rehash exactly what I said to you before we got on. If anything, I think that this really show it, it shows us two things. One, it shows us just how valuable of a piece Chris Middleton is to Milwaukee. And and what I mean by that is we look at Chris Middleton for scoring here and there. He is one of the, you know, one one of the most solid, most reliable scorers for the Bucks. But I think what gets lost in translation very often with him is just how good of a defender he is. Right. And I think that that was really what showed through yesterday is he wasn't there. And if we look at it, Chris Middleton plays that wing area of the floor. So a majority of his assignment in yesterday's game would have been Jalen Brown and a certain guy that happened to go for 41. Not to say that Jason Tatum wouldn't have still been amazing, but I guarantee if Chris Middleton was there, he wouldn't have finished with 41. So that to me is the first point, but I'm going to do something again that I rarely do. And I'm glad it's being recorded because I'm not afraid to admit when these things happen, people better understand that Boston is for real. They, they'd better understand that Boston is not messing around. Because Jason Tatum comes in here and goes off for 41 on Christmas Day. And he, I don't know if you saw it, but he came out with like, he he came out with a very Kobe-esque 
quote after the game. Um, they they asked him, you know, how did you feel coming in? You know, how did you feel during the game and this and that or whatever? And I'm paraphrasing, but he came out and pretty much said, um, he's like, when I step onto the court, the only person I'm like, the only person I'm competing with is myself. He said, I want to be the best version of myself. I'm competing against me. And he's like, when I get into the mode that I want to be in, I don't think there's anybody that can beat me. That is the, me personally, Shane, you can agree, disagree, whatever. That is the closest thing to a quote unquote Kobe quote that I think I have heard since the Mamba retired. And I absolutely love it. I hate the fact that it came from somebody wearing green, even though they were wearing those jerseys that I love. But that people better watch out for Jason Tatum, that he comes into games with that kind of mindset that's what we wanted to see that's what we've wanted to see from jason tatum we talked yeah. about that last year it's like he was mm -hmm. having a crisis of confidence last year that was year. the killer in the finals that was the yeah, killer it's in the like finals. he was he was disappearing in games not shooting well like right second guessing himself just not not really playing free and not really playing like a guy that that is worthy of that stage so for him to come out christmas day and play the way he played and say the things that he said, you're, you're starting to see, okay, he he's taking his performance in the finals to heart. And he's saying, okay, look, like, I know I wasn't at my best. I can't let that happen again. And that's what mm -hmm. you want to see from a young player like that. Mm -hmm. No, he, he came out and he showed up. And like I said, I mean, it, it, it hurts my heart to say it about a Celtic, but yo, like we're we're looking at one of the premier players in the league right now. Not that that wasn't already obvious, but he's making it at a point to let people know, like, do not count me out. <laughs> like I'm I'm here. And I think the best thing about it right now is the fact that not only is he standing out, but it's reflecting on his team. I mean, pretty like pretty often, way too often, I feel like we'll see individual stars that might ball out, but it doesn't reflect in it doesn't turn around into wins. It, it doesn't right. reflect in team success. I'm pleased to say, just as a basketball fan, I'm very happy to see that not only do we have a player like Jason Tatum being successful, but it's turning into team success because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Right. And they come out, man, and, and they play Milwaukee. I mean, granted, Milwaukee didn't have Chris Middleton, but they pretty much were, were injury free everywhere else. Giannis played, didn't play great. Uh, shot nine of 22, but finished right. with 27. Drew Holiday was great. Um, they shot 50% and lost by 21. So right. that's, that's pretty impressive. That's a feather in the cap win for Boston, just because you want to see how you come out and how you measure up with a team that's expected to represent the Eastern conference in the NBA finals, a team that has won titles and, and Boston, I think their mission is to prove like, yeah, like we, we not only did we get hot at the right time at the end of last year, but we want to prove that we got to the finals because we're good enough and not because it was some fluke um, right. by, by, by beating Milwaukee the way they beat Milwaukee. Right. That That's impressive. I think we can look back at, at this game in particular later in the year as, as one of those kind of statement wins for, for Boston. Cause you know, 41 for Tatum, you got to put him, I think he's right up there in the top, couple guys maybe as far as mvp right now oh he and, oh yeah. yeah no 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 he he's absolutely up there um i i do have to make sure that i make a point once we talk about i'm pretty sure it's the next game on the agenda <laughs> no there there there's something else that i do want to mention that that still like you said he's in the top as as long as you didn't say he's the top then uh yeah we get that that's where we can you know get into that whole thing i know we talked about the idea of voter fatigue and everything but um no he he absolutely deserves to be in the conversation i mean late laker bias and and team 
you know, quote unquote, hatred aside, he absolutely deserves to be in the conversation because he's having one of the best seasons of his career. And again, like I said, the most important thing is not only are you having one of your best seasons, but it is reflected in the success of your team. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Right. And, you know, moving, moving forward now, I mean, you go from the team that represented the East in the NBA finals last year to the team that represented the West. We got Golden State against Memphis. Golden State comes out, beats Memphis 123 to 109. Jordan Poole with 32 points. Clay Thompson with 24 points, including one of the most hilarious trash talk moments at the end of the game. Oh my God. After he hits a after he hits a bucket. A rare double double <laughs> for Draymond Green. 13 <laughs> rebounds, 13 assists in the win. Um, love it. Excellent win for Golden State, who I'll be honest, minus Steph. without Steph, I thought that yeah. game would be tighter. Mm. Um, but you know, they still came out and handled business. A big reason for that, Dante DiVincenzo started, had five threes, had 19 points. Uh, the bench for Golden State was phenomenal. Uh, they had 42 bench points. Uh, Ty Jerome, Moses Moody, Anthony Lamb combined for 35 with six threes. Uh, as Golden State wins, um, Memphis they struggled a little bit. They shot under under forty five percent, around forty one and a half. Actually, they missed thirty of their thirty nine three point attempts. And even though John ja Morant had thirty six, eight and seven, they they go home with the L after talking a big game there in the off season. So all right, you know, so nah, so no, no, no. So check this out. Um, now, and I want to, I want to go right back and mention what I said to you before we jumped on here, Shane. Um, when, when we talked about the fact that Memphis got blown out, what was it that I said to you about that whole thing? Well, I remember you saying that, you know, Golden State has been in that situation before Memphis hasn't really been in that situation. Right. So, so back to the basis of what I had told you, I said the fact that Memphis lost, I was not surprised. I, I wasn't surprised at all. And there, there were a number of things that, that factored into that. Number one, like I said, you, you have a championship team with a championship resume like golden state. They've been in situations where they've been without key guys. Like they, they've, they've had very crucial games where they've been missing Draymond. They've had crucial games where they've been missing Steph. They've had, you know, crucial games where they've been missing Kevin Durant, where they've been missing. I mean, they went for almost two years without Klay Thompson. Were they successful that whole time? No, they weren't. But they were already at the top of the mountain and had time to figure out if this key guy isn't here, what are we going to do? Memphis, on the other hand, they've made their way up. They haven't been to the top of the mountain yet. And if you look at it, they're one of the youngest teams in the league. So to me, I look at it just like if me and you go to the gym right now. I mean, everybody knows our age if you've been paying attention. So I'm not going to repeat it. But let's just say we ain't spring pups. You know, <laughs> we ain't spring pups exactly. We go to the gym. People walk in and take a look at us. First thing they're going to say is, oh, man, we got this. Why? Because, oh, because we're younger. Yeah, like those are old dudes. Like, they're immediately going to assume that's Memphis. That's Memphis. And that's why I love Memphis. I've said it on this podcast, and I'm going to say it again right now. One of my absolute favorite players in the NBA right now is Ja Morant. For that reason, he gives me very, like, he gives me, and correct me, like, let me know how you feel on this. He gives me extreme Allen Iverson vibes. Like, he's a smaller guy. He Sometimes he runs the point. Sometimes they play him off on the two. No matter where he is, the dude is heartless. He he comes in, he's like, my goal is to take your soul. The only difference between him and Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson ain't never had that kind of bounce, bro. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Allen mm-hmm. Iverson, John Morant comes onto the court, and that dude looks like he's at halftime jumping off trampolines. Yeah. Like it, it like that. That to me is the key difference between the two. But the swag, the confidence, they're one and one. Yeah. Like, and and that's what I love about it. And that's where you see the kind of leader that he is too, because the whole team feels that way. But another thing, like I said, I wanted to go back to the whole, um, back to the whole idea of one team is used to this, one team isn't. We look at where Memphis is sitting right now. And this is, again, credit to a guy like Taylor Jenkins. He knows how to work with this team right now. He hasn't had to deal with them on a scale of like dealing with it in in, in NBA finals. But he knows how to deal with them during the regular season when these injuries occur. And to that, I say, on Christmas Day, John Morant, Desmond Bain, who when he's healthy is one of the deadliest three point shooters in the league. Right. And Jaron Jackson, who when healthy is one of the most dangerous paint defenders in the league. Those three guys, the core of the Memphis Grizzlies off the top of your head. Do you know how many games they've played together so far this season? Not off the top of my head. No Christmas day against golden state was only the second time that those three guys were on the floor together for Memphis. And their first time together was literally the game before on December 23rd when they beat Phoenix. Mm-hmm. They've those were those are the only two games so far that they've had a chance to actually be on the floor together this season. So it's things like that where I'm like I'm not surprised Golden State beat them because Golden State has that experience factor. They right. they they're able to come in and it's much easier for them. And I'm saying all this to say it's a credit to the guys on that Golden State roster. And it's an absolute credit to a coach like Steve Kerr. You know how to cater when when you're missing this, you know what to do. When this is here, I know how to plug it in. Like, like you said, you talked about the bench scoring. Plenty of guys have deep benches. Plenty of teams have deep benches. But it doesn't work like that if they're not used to being plugged in at the right time. And that's where Steve Kerr's intelligence comes in. So when so when that when that whole thing first came up and we knew that Steph Curry was injured, we talked about it a few days prior and we were both like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen in my mind. I'm like, I still think Golden State, I didn't think they were going to blow it out like we're on the same page with that. I didn't think that Golden State was going to absolutely run away with it. And to be fair, at one point, I think it was in the third quarter. Memphis did get it to within three. At one point in the third quarter, Golden State was only up 80 to 77. Yeah. But that's where that coaching and that's where that depth pulled them away because Memphis doesn't have that. Yeah. Taylor Jenkins, you're a hell of a coach, bro. But you ain't no Steve Kerr. And to Memphis's bench, you're, you guys aren't as developed and you're not as ready to jump into the fire as these guys like a James Wiseman who have already been thrown back to the G League and been forced to develop and have to do all of these other things. And he had great moments defensively as well. Absolutely. He, he, he played really well defensively for them. And I think that's that's something that they've wanted to see from him all season. That's yeah, that that was tremendous. That was big. And like I said, that that's that's what made the difference. And I think that I think that to me is the beauty of basketball. Is everybody thinks you just go out there, you just dribble a ball, you put the ball in the basket, and that's it. It sounds easy. Get out there and do it. Yeah. You have to be able to put the you have to be able to put pieces into place to make sure that certain things happen. And I don't think there's too many coaches in the league right now. Granted, you you have some, you know, pretty strong chess pieces around you, but I don't think there's too many coaches in the league right now that are better at planning for disaster than Steve Kerr. And 
that no Andrew sh- Wiggins either. And no That's Andrew Wiggins. And no Andrew Wiggins. No Andrew Wiggins. And I mean, I feel like it's worth mentioning, even though it wouldn't have mattered. Have we even seen Andre Iguodala this season? He he's he's uh he's a consultant. I, I'm he's I'm consultant. I'm willing to put him in that category of he's kind of Golden State's human victory cigar now. I'll take it. You know, so, like so it's no yeah, no knock on Iggy. No, um, he's he's done his time, he's, and he yeah he's he's done his job. You know, he's 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 back in some capacity. I think his impact, though, like we talked about back in the summer, his impact is is on those young guys and coaching those guys. With up. all with all due respect, Andre Iguodala, and he's gonna go down as one of the greatest six men in NBA history. And I and and I think he will easily make that list. Which Shane, I'm a challenge us right now on record. We got to put together that list. Greatest greatest six men in NBA history. We we okay. we gonna make that. We gonna make that happen. But um no yeah I that that game to me was honestly I won't say my favorite game of the night, but my favorite game is coming up. I'm gonna let you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let you kind of give some final thoughts on this one and then and then I'll let you channel us over into you know the 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 final game the the final games of the night. Yeah, for sure. So like, you know, with 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 that game, man, it I think for Golden State, um it was an opportunity to kind of flex their muscle a little bit. Um they they definitely uh handled Memphis. Memphis was talking some trash. Obviously John Morant's you know, uh, you know, we we gonna pull up on y'all on Christmas Day, like you know, basically saying we gonna see about it. Ja held up his end of the bargain, but the team just didn't play well around him. Um, like I said, nine of thirty nine from three, shot under forty two percent from the floor. That's not gonna win you too many games, especially when you're on the road. Um, you know, Memphis is Memphis is a team that's up and coming, uh, but they're not quite there yet. Um, they kind of give me some OKC vibes from years and years ago, as far as a team that has a, has some good young talent that's, you know, on their way up, but, you know, experience is going to trump youth in a lot of those situations. So I think uh, with that being said, you know, Golden State kind of proved that, yeah, we're still here. Uh, Clay Thompson hits a, hits a jumper over, I think it was Dylan Brooks toward the end um, and kind of, kind of taunts him on the way down the court, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, Draymond Green, uh, he was he was also taunting some guys at the end because, you know, the trash talk is real. I, I love that aspect of it. I love the fact that they both got after it and guys were jawing at each other, especially when this was something that started, you know, last year. And um, I love the fact that it's carried over now and it, it's just good. It's good old-fashioned competition. So, um, you know, Golden State, you know, pulled it out and, and did what they had to do. Uh, love that they showed the youngsters that, you know, they still had it. Um, and uh, with that being said, uh, if you guys have made it this far, I just want to let you know, uh, be sure to follow the JWJ podcast, like us on Facebook, fo- subscribe to us on YouTube, hit that notification bell uh, to be notified whenever we produce and put out new episodes. We're uh, everywhere. If you go to our Instagram, if you go to go to our Twitter, uh, which may not be there too much longer if if Elon Musk <laughs> and all this stuff keeps going. But if you do go to Linktree, you can find uh you can find us pretty much wherever you get your podcast. So uh, again, thank you for making JWJ a part of your day. We appreciate it and glad you guys are listening to us. Now we got yeah, one yeah. more game we want to get to, and then we want to get to the meat of our podcast. Um, Denver Nuggets go out and they win 128-125 in overtime over Phoenix. Nikola Jokic, humongous game. 41 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists. He only had three turnovers as well. Uh, Man, Aaron Gordon on. had the double-double, 28 points, 13 rebounds. Jamal Murray still working his way back, had 26 points, five rebounds, five assists. Nuggets win their fourth straight game. Uh, on Phoenix's side, that's their third straight loss. They were they were without Devin Booker for much of this game. Uh, only played for maybe four minutes in the game. But Landry yeah, Shamit, yeah, Landry Shamit comes out and and does what he does, makes shots. He comes out, gets thirty one points, hits seven threes, six assists off the bench. 
hopefully he's uh he's recovering nicely from almost having his life ended last night. Uh Chris Paul had 17 points, 16 assists, doing his point god thing. No turnovers. Yeah, man. DeAndre Ayton comes out 22 and 16, and Damian Lee with 18 and 8 off the bench. So James, uh probably the game of the night, uh Nuggets and Suns, man. What what were your thoughts on that one? I'm I'm gonna look at this a little bit like I looked at the Milwaukee and Boston game, only because these are again two of the heavy hitters in their conference. So the first thing I want to say is I I feel it's necessary to shout out, you know, the Joker. And earlier I talked about you know the fact that uh, Jason Tatum is in the conversation, but he's not the conversation for MVP. We we talked about the whole idea of voter fatigue before, but to me, it's like that that is just so offensive when you have a guy that is just bawling the hell out. And by bawling the hell out, I mean you have a guy that posts the first and so far only 40-point triple-double on Christmas in NBA history. I know the league can come up with some really specific, you know, statistics and everything, but come on now. Uh, it it's so we we're we're going to celebrate Jason Tatum for what he did. And to me, it's like the fatigue is BS if we're going to ignore the fact that another guy later in the night did something that has literally never been done before. So that to me, that that's my first issue from this game. I, I kind of want to counter that and then also look Denver in the face a little bit and be like, it took overtime and you only won by three. And another guy that's been an MVP conversation over the last few years only played four minutes. But that, like I said, the unfortunate thing there is we have to look at the rest of the roster. It's like we we see what we see what Jokic did. Um, Aaron Gordon, my God, uh, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron freaking Gordon, man. Uh, is that the dunk of the year? I without question, without question. I right now for me, the only thing that would have topped it would have been if Ja Morant had connected earlier in the day. Yeah. That would have been the only thing. No, to me, Aaron Gordon's dunk on Christmas Day, hands down dunk of the year so far. It I'm is, just glad he didn't get robbed because they originally called that offensive foul. Yeah, they the, yeah, they and called the, the charge. I'm glad they overturned it because that that was one of the one of the worst charge calls I've ever I've ever seen. It's like that dude mm-hmm. was was cha cha sliding. So you know so you know what that means is that on one of our future episodes, we're going to have to go into our own little individual rants about how coaches suck, but um, <laughs> that we'll, we'll save that. <laughs> but um, how does, no, how, how's he seriously, how's that offensive foul? He, he, they, they were trying to say, okay, he, he literally comes it's up. He sold it. It's cause he he's sold literally it. leaning to the left as he's getting hit. Like it's, it's literally <sighs> cha-cha slide to the left. It's, slide it's because, to the right. Dun, dun. Like, Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't say two time. Oh, terrible. Like I'm glad they overturned it because we've seen, we've seen a lot of people get robbed on those kind of plays. So I'm glad they actually did review it and overturn it. The thing is, no, the thing is, is they sell the drama. Like, cause just like, and, and you brought this up earlier, we've talked about it before had Aaron Gordon, if that, if that play, if that sequence played out the exact same way, and Aaron Gordon goes up and does that and he misses, he'd have been at the line shooting too. Right. Because they're so catering to dunks and it's to the point to where they it's robbing the game. It it's 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 taking away from the excitement of the game. And that's a big issue. So I'm I'm so glad. I agree with you. I'm so glad that they went back, reviewed, they overturned it. It was a clean dunk. Like, like you said, defender was moving. Defender was out there getting his family reunion on. Mm-hmm. So they, no, he, Aaron, Aaron Gordon deserved it. In my opinion, that is the dunk of the year. 
<laughs> so yeah. far. He he was having his own like personal dunk contest in that game. He had a few yeah. he had a, he had a bunch he of dunks still, in that game. No, he, he, he was reversed, one-handed, whatever it was. He was he, he was, was still, up and throwing down. He was still upset about the contest that he lost and he shouldn't have. Right. Right. That's a, that's a that's a that's a whole we could have a whole pod just on We're going to we can do an episode just off a dunk contest, bro. Look, book it. We're going to do it. 2023, y'all, stay tuned. It's going to happen. Aaron Gordon, one of the greatest robbed dunk contest contestants in NBA history. Right. And at that point it's like, look, if you if you if you pull off what he pulled off in that contest, and you don't win i wouldn't go back i wouldn't go back and compete in it either and i would make That's it trash. known. i would make it known I'd oh yeah known. i they'd never see me again it's like it's like the dunk contest already is kind of lose has lost its luster over the years but that was one of the best dunk dunk contests we had ever had and then you no, robbed the guy you, that look, was the winner come on look look so here we go so here we go we can do a whole pod about this later, but I got to throw these three names out there right now that need to be in the contest this year. Mm-hmm. Health willing. We got to get Aaron Gordon back. Doubtful. Jamar- no, no, I'm saying no. We're going we gonna to get him back in. <laughs> Based off the contestants, it would be one of the best that I think we've ever seen. We're going to get Aaron Gordon. Okay. We're going to get John Morant. All right. And we're going to talk Zion into it. Yeah, I don't. Well, even I mean, feel, I, don't, I don't even feel like we need anybody else. I, I think, yeah, cool. I'd be if cool you just that. had, if you just had those three, I think, I think that's perfect. Uh, yeah, I'd be cool. Those with are like that. the only people I would really even want to see dunk. That's right. I'd be cool I mean, with that. I'd yeah, cool like that. I don't. I don't think there's anybody <laughs> else I'd, I'd want to see really, really dunking. I mean, you could probably throw. Uh, who's a kid from Portland that, that's been dunking? You're talking is about, it Shaden um, Sharp? Shaden Shaden's the rookie, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, that's the kid. Throw him yeah, in. Yeah. Like that's the only other person I think I would. I well, well, hold on, wait. Other than him, it's got to be Luca, right? Ah, uh, it's got to be Luca. No, nah, to me, no, to me, <laughs> I, no. I I don't know if I would put Luca. I'm all joking. I'm I'm joking. I know. I know. I because I I was about to go on a whole dissertation type deal here. Luca 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 probably got drug tested after uh after the hammers he was throwing down last week twice twice. (laughs) I told you. Look, I told you, man. The joke. Look, if I'm Dallas, just because of how impressive that stuff was. I would have fabricated a letter from the league and put it on Instagram just for popularity's sake. I'd have been like, yo, man, look what they did to us. <laughs> yeah. What they what they should have did is rolled up on him when he showed up in, in his in his car in his cowboy get up yesterday. Bro, that car though. <laughs> Luca was showing out, bro. That car. Oh my goodness. And then he bought the whole team scooters. He bought the whole team scooters. Scooters. He had the bolo just to, tie. Just to be funny, yeah. I would have gotten them the scooters giving them to him before the game and we'd we would have all rode out pregame. We'd yeah. all run out on the scooters pregame and rode around the court. Yeah. Somebody should have rolled up on him with the drug test fabrication <laughs> on one of the scooters. Yes. Yes. You've been served. Sir like, Luca. yeah. So before you go before you go play LA, we need you to pee in this cup real quick. You've been served, Lukovic. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, like just, you know, one more point on this game, you know, obviously these are two teams that are trying to, you know, get to the top of the West. Obviously Phoenix had the best record in the league last year. Uh, They've kind of followed that. They kind of followed that same, that same trajectory, even though this was their third straight loss, they they started slow and they've kind of rebounded, but Denver's trying to get, you know, they're trying to make their statement as well. I think and both teams are kind of they're kind of in that there it's like you don't you're not quite sure if if they're if they're title contenders yet. And the same uh, I thing think there's still a lot to prove. No, and the same and the same thing we've talked about with a lot of other teams from Christmas so far. A big issue with Phoenix is health. Yeah. Um Devin Booker's dealing with the groin injury, Chris Paul's missed time. Um, really, I mean, if you look at the one person that's been consistent, it's the one person that's always consistent, and that's Mikael Bridges, <laughs> like, right. the one guy that has yet to miss a game in his freaking career. 
Like it, everybody's had to deal with something on that roster at one point or another. Um, so it, it's that's where it's gonna that's where it's gonna fall on you know Monty Williams and his staff and the trainers and making sure that everybody's getting the right treatment, getting the right you know service and everything to to be able to make that long run because as much as we all love and revere a Chris Paul dude is 37 years old. So is it 37, 36? Either way, NBA lingo dude is old. Yeah. So, I think he's 37. Yeah. Cause I remember, I remember yeah. writing a, a column about him last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it's, <clears throat> it, you, you have to pay attention to your arsenal and you have to pay attention to how to manage it. And I think that's going to be the one thing that could potentially cost Phoenix in the long run is you have to pay attention to those things. So we'll see what it is moving forward, but they they got to make sure that they're careful with what they have. Yeah, it's touch and go at this point because I mean with Chris Paul it's like you're you're kind of you're kind of playing with house money with that one. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a little risky cuz father time could strike at any moment and Chris Paul's not, you know, not Teflon. I mean, he's he's definitely you know, come up with injuries in key spots. Nylon. He's had all kinds of problems. So it's like, mm. you know, for as great as Chris Paul's been, his his the the kind of epitaph on his career right now is he's good, but he's not when you a big one good. Yeah. And, you know, and and so far it's like, you know, last year there was 64 win team and then they get put out in the second round. You know, so it's 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 kind of weird that, you know, you know, this is this is Chris Paul's best chance here in the twilight of his career to make this happen. But there's right. so many other things that go into this. Obviously, health is big. Devin Booker being out, you know, for much of this game probably could have swayed that outcome. Uh, the DeAndre Ayton situation is weird there. It's like him and Monty are still clashing. He thought he wasn't going to be re-signed. He was ready to what go to the Pacers, and then Phoenix matches the offer and brings him back. So they knew um, what they that's were a doing. situation to watch. I'm sorry, <laughs> they, they they knew what they were doing, but that's a whole yeah. other story. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's the thing. It's like you, you're 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 basically your number one draft pick from from the the Luca draft. You know, he gets 22 and 16. This is a situation where it's like. Is he the guy? Is this somebody that you're willing to commit to? Is he is he the, the piece y'all think he is? Or is this a guy that you're about to trade and, and shake up your roster? Um, there's, there's a lot of touch and go things there. You know, is Devin Booker really like that? Like, we know he can score a bunch of points, but are those points actually going to be, you know, contributing to wins? It's easy to do that when you got guys that can drive the bus. Like, Chris Paul can can get you there. You know, mm-hmm. DeAndre's another piece there. Mikael Bridges, Mr. Consistency, he's always there. Cam Johnson's another guy that can that can really go. So it's like on one hand, they're they're young and they're still trying, they're still trying to work their way up. On the other hand, they got some guys that are veteran that right. are trying to get it done. So it's kind of a touch and go thing. I thought Phoenix would probably take a little step back. They started the season slow, but they're kind of back in that conversation. So we'll see how they go as the season goes. But for Denver, it's a good win for them. Uh, Nikola Jokic just continues to, to kill it. Um, Even though he's a two-time reigning MVP, um, I think the voter fatigue can, could possibly kick in for him this year. Um, that's one of those things too, where I think of voter fatigue. I mean, LeBron James could have seven MVPs if we're we're, we're sitting here. He got seven or eight, you know, as 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 much as he affects the game on both ends, or at least he did, you know, in his prime, whatever. It's like LeBron could have way more than four MVPs. Uh, I agree. Kevin, I absolutely, I absolutely agree. Yeah, and so like you know, I think um, you know, I think Jokic, the fact that he's so productive and so unique. Um, I think that's one thing that could possibly keep that that window for him to win more MVPs. Um, mm-hmm. actually, is one of those things that you know I think his unique his un his uniqueness and his skill set, um, kind of lends itself to that because not only is he a scoring threat, but he rebounds for you, and he's he's the best passer, one of the best, arguably the best passer in the NBA. So, right. Um, 
you know, for Denver, I think that's it's a good win for them, uh, just because they're they're trying to get to the Western Conference Finals, trying to get over the hump. So it's two teams kind of in that same mold of like, do they have enough, and and can they finally get over the hump? So um, mm-hmm. that's pretty. Hey, that's that's the Christmas Day slate. Um, yeah. You know, we got got overtime <laughs> in there, a lot of good games. Um, the fact that the, the fact that overtime capped off the final game is dope. Yeah, like that, it's, it's almost huge. on like it's almost on like some WrestleMania type stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it's 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 dope. So was you know, Christmas a, Day ends a, with a bang, a, and was that you a know that's cool. But was that a shameless um, wrestling you know, connection? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. We've only just begun. In part two of this episode, we discuss the controversial Brittany Griner prisoner swap and what it means for the Phoenix Mercury.